A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. Take 50 high school students and a host of enthusiastic ecologists, mix well and then let them loose in the grounds of St Peter's College near Cambridge for two days. That's the recipe for an eco-blitz that Lincoln University ecologists held recently, building on the award-winning inaugural eco-blitz held in Canterbury's Nina Valley in 2014. The aim of an eco-blitz is to unite school students and scientists to survey biodiversity and to inspire an ecologically literate generation. Alison joins in to find out what that means in practice. I've come to Cambridge in the Waikato to take part in an eco-blitz. What's an eco-blitz? Well, I'm about to find out. I do know it involves about 50 of the students from St Peter's School here, a whole heap of scientists, experts in everything from birds through to worms and plants and a whole lot of other things. And we're going to be investigating the school's remnant kaikatea forest, some of the dairy farms' pastures, and a small re-established wetland down the back near the Waikato River. I'm off to the wetland to find out more. St Peter's is a school here and it's got a joint venture with Lincoln University uh, to manage the dairy farm in a sustainable and prof profitable way. And one of the ways that we're doing that initially is to conduct what we've been calling an eco-blitz. And that's a way of systematically surveying a range of different habitats on the site in a way that we can repeat um, in future years um, to sort of look at change over time. We're also getting school kids out so they can work alongside scientists, so ecologists and taxonomists, to best understand how we go about surveying biodiversity and allow them to sort of see what it's like to be a, a professional scientist. There's, there's little tracks here. Could be some small snails maybe, if you watch carefully. You see this big long worm. I'm Elizabeth Graham. I'm a freshwater ecologist at Niwa in Hamilton. OK, so you've been roped in here to show them <laughs> what you find in freshwater. Yes, so we've been demonstrating a range of different sampling techniques for how we survey freshwater. So what kind of techniques have you demonstrated? Um, we've been showing benthic invertebrate sampling um, with nets. We've also set out some light traps which capture adult insects that fly during the night. Um, we have a couple different types of fish traps. So we have little um, G minnow traps for small fish and we actually put out a big what's called a fike net for larger fish like eels in um, the wetland pond. And we've also been doing some electric fishing, which is where we actually pass a current through the water to enable us to capture fish. That's what stuns the fish? Yes. <laughs> and you follow along behind with your net? Yes, yes. We, we uh, have a little net that we um, put down to see if we can stop fish from uh, swimming past, especially if there's a little bit of flow. And, and you've got a handy kitchen sieve there taped oh, to a, a Exactly, a broom yes. The, the kitchen sieve is the ideal uh, instrument. You might have heard of the name Faraday cage, which helps keep out electrical um, interference. Well this works the same way in that if you have a fish in the in the net with this in this mesh and you have the electric current on and you 
put this into the water, the fish won't get the electric current passing to it because it's being interfered with by the mesh. You can never know what your uh, kitchen sieve might get used for. <laughs> if you encounter any uh, bird poo, uh, any mammal poo or anything that is not a cow poo, basically, <laughs> we're collecting those so we can run them for environmental DNA. And that's aimed at not just sort of working out which species it is, but which species that animal's been eating. So am I right in thinking you're doing something with caddisflies? I am. I am. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm sweeping the vegetation just to see who's hiding out amongst the, the riparian grasses and, I guess, the emergent aquatic weeds. OK, so, so you're I, looking for the flying adults? Yeah, so I'm looking for the flying adults. So this is, the, I guess, the, the forgotten stage, but, but probably arguably the most important stage is the reproductive stage. Two-second sweep and we've, we've picked up something. So... <laughs> I'm relatively happy. So you need to take it away yeah, and have a closer yeah, look? Yeah, so, so I need to look at it. The way you identify these things is you can look at the mouth parts. So it's a combination of mouth parts, wing venation, but more importantly, the, the genitalia. So, Rob, you're part of Team Invertebrate. That's right. I've seen you in action before, and you've got your plastic bag filled with little pottles and your pooter. I've got my pooters. For sucking up things. Yes, and we've got a few other bits of equipment, and then we're just finding a suitable place to... Looking to unleash things. the students. Yeah. So we've come over to the edge of the Waikato River, and there's a few bushes and trees and plantings. There's some interesting-looking habitat just the other side of the electric fence. <laughs> so what we're going to do here this afternoon is sample for invertebrates. Uh, so insects and spiders, slugs, snails, worms, anything like that that we can find. We're going to use a couple of different methods. Firstly, we're going to just be looking around, hand collecting, as I guess we'd call it. Um, particularly if there's anything lying on the ground, lift it up and look underneath it, and then put it back again. And then we're doing two other kinds of collecting, one of which is called beating. So this is a way of sampling invertebrates that are on the surfaces of plants, so on leaves or branches or twigs. Right. What can you see in there? Spider. Yep. There's not much, just lots of two spiders. Leaves. Keep Three looking, spiders. keep looking. Oh, that's a scary looking spider. Because sometimes when they first fall out, they go all quiet and they're, they're a bit stunned and then they come to life. Oh, there's this. My young apprentice over here is looking at this young baby uh, orbib spider. It's really cool. Yeah. It's so cute. Mm. So these make the cartwheel shaped webs that you see in the garden. You give yourself plenty of room. And we're going to watch our electric fence. like that. Just go for it. Plan to recover. And look, I've got a stonefly. It's a whole primitive order of insects, the Plecoptera. We have about 120 species in New Zealand living in streams to rivers to seepages high in the mountains. Cool. Just wonderful animals. I love stoneflies. He's got a green beetle oh, crawling up this. the top. Look at this, guys. Wow. You call them stink beetles in the North Island. I call them the green vegetable bug. It's, it's a bug. It's of the order Hemiptera. Mm -hmm. Isn't that lovely? You know, we've got a lot of insects, about 23,000 known insects in New Zealand. But no, not all named, but uh, most of them named, but... This is one of them. Isn't that lovely? It's called an earth star, so it looks like a, a brown flower on the surface of the ground. Isn't that neat? An earth star fungus? Yeah. That's quite cool. It's very cool, isn't it? 
Yeah, so as, as the rain would hit that, little bits of spore. You can see them popping out? You can see it. Yeah, so as I touch it, you get puffs of spores. Well, there's a lot of little white springtails uh, all associated with this earthstar fungus living around. Maybe they're eating the spores, I wouldn't know. We'd have to sample them to find out. Life everywhere. After a full day out on the Eco Blitz and a quick break for dinner and a few short talks, everyone's back out at night and there's quite a number of activities planned. So I'm heading off to join a team who are going to do some spotlighting. See his tail? Yeah, he's just dropped down into a hole. So what have you got there? Oh, it's just a possum. Common Australian brush-tailed possum. He's just gone and hid underneath a little bush there. But at least we got to see something, even with all the noise. Uh, we've got a hedgehog, which some of us nearly trot on in the paddock. Uh, so he's curled up and, and showing his spines out uh, while the, all, the, all the students peer around and look at him. So. He's got a large green frog, the golden bell frog, from an Australian uh, immigrant. There's a spider. Yeah, a spider running across the water too. There is Two species of bats only, two species of mammal only in New Zealand, two species, and they're both bats, long-tailed and short-tailed bats. The ones we've got here are long-tailed bats. And they're threatened, they're rare, very rare, because all their habitat's been taken away. But for some strange reason, they live in all the gullies um, that feed off the Waikato River. So, you know, if you follow all the streams that flow down to the Waikato, they're in that and around the edge of, the, of Hamilton. But do you know that hardly anyone in Hamilton knows they exist, and yet they've always been here? There's a man who just lives over here... Um, it's, he's a deer farmer, um, and he's probably got more bats on his place than we've seen anywhere in New Zealand, and yet he ne had never seen one. He thought they were big moths and didn't realise we had bats. It's a, it's a secret, and one of the big problems for us as ecologists or biologists is it's, when you can't see them, how can we study them? Yep. So how do they find their, cells, their ways around in the, in the dark? Echolocation. Echolocation. Yep, echolocation's what like it's called. Like a fish okay. <laughs> Yep. So can we hear that? No. no. So humans can hear sort of up to about 20 kilohertz. And bats, particularly the long-tailed bat, has a call at around 40 kilohertz. So one technique we use is a little machine like this. It's called a bat detector. It's a little handheld battery-operated thing. Does it detect the echolocation? Yes, it does. What it does is converts the 40 kilohertz sound that they make that we can't hear into a sound that we can hear. So that's sort of what it sounds like. So how have you all found today? It's uh, been... Uh, pretty good so far. We've learnt like lots and lots of stuff. You think you know some specific species or something and then they'll just tell you like a whole bunch of new stuff and it'll just kind of opens your mind to the world of ecology and how actually diverse and broad these things are. Collected a lot of bugs, um, did electric fishing, you know just really appreciating the ecosystem that we have here at St Peter's, the wetlands that we've never known about really for the past five years. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of surprising like how much is actually out there like you see a leaf you know, oh it's a leaf but no there's like stuff on the leaf <laughs> stuff on the leaf oh it's a caterpillar eating the leaf <laughs> no it's been real cool just like learning how they how they go through the processes of finding all this stuff and things and all the different methods they have like yeah, I just found that really interesting and you know good ideas of what I can do in the future as well so what was the best bit for you? Or probably um, collecting the freshwater invertebrates in the stream. I think it's quite quite cool how they do that. Learning more about what's in the environment that we're in every day, but you don't see 
necessarily. I was hoping electric fishing would be my highlight, but unfortunately we didn't get anything. Yeah. That, cool, that's all right. We, oh, we caught an eel, but it was, it was the small one, but it's all right. It's been, it's been a good day. Very educational and yeah, just enlightened us. I think um, when we were down there and we were looking at the stream and there was this species of um, flies. Caddis flies. Caddis flies, that's the one. And I found out that the females produce asexually, yet they can produce male offspring, which is really, really cool. Day two of the Lincoln University Eco Blitz at St Peter's School. And we're in a field and a remnant forest today. So now I'm about to find out about something much more high-tech than some of the other things I've been <laughs> eavesdropping on. So everyone else has been running around looking at individual plants and finding individual insects. But tell me what eDNA lets you do. eDNA is basically all the little DNA fragments in the soil. And we try to pick them up and match them to species. So it'll tell you about all of the grasses and the mosses and the worms and the slugs and... All of those sorts of things? Yep. Is it also going to allow you to pick up all the microbes, all the bacteria and yeah, the Yeah, exactly, yeah. So from one 20 by 20 metre plot we get roughly 30,000 species. So 20 metres by 20 metres, 30,000 species? Yeah, exactly. That's an yeah. amazing biodiversity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the species are new and haven't been described yet. Okay, so while we've been talking, you have put together this enormous contraption. What is it? It's a soil corer. It's going to what, give you a plug of, of soil. Yeah, so we get a, about a 15 centimeter deep uh, soil core. And so you reckon there's hundreds of different things in there? Oh, uh, thousands. <laughs> what you end up with is is DNA sequences, how do you know what they belong to? Because, I mean, there must be some things like humans or cats or dogs or birds that we know, but all yeah. of these bacteria and fungi and other microbes, how do you yeah. know what they are? Yeah, so there's a really big database of sequences out there. So you can take what you find, compare mm -hmm. it against this big database, yeah. which might, say, let you know that somebody found a similar sequence in another part of New Zealand or another part of the world. But also, equally likely, are you just going to end up filing a new sequence and saying, well, here's something new? Yeah. Is collecting soil plugs the only thing that you do? Oh, uh, no, we, we also take leaf punches and then we clip everything that looks different. So not just leaves, but everything that looks cool, different, interesting. This leaf that you're just sampling, mm -hmm. underneath it is some bird shit. So mm -hmm. if that bird shit had been on the leaf... Yeah, we could pick up the bird as well and also and also what the bird's been eating yeah and also all the bacteria and microorganisms in the bird poo <laughs> so actually everything so we use the spade it's really hard jump on it yeah, yeah! That's, that's pretty good okay so the idea is then just to lift the whole block and break it down with your hands and try to Find worms. Uh, oh, here's one. Got one. And there's, yeah, there's plenty in there. Yeah. Stefan, seeing this is um, an exotic landscape here, being a farm, would you expect the worms to be exotic as yes, well? Yes, absolutely. I think most of these are exotic. We'll have a closer look sure. in a minute when this is finished, in but that's what we expect, yes. 
So what kind of worms do we have here? Let's, let's have a look at that. So this one here is the biggest we've got, and that's the one we're going to focus on because we use sexual characteristics to, uh, to tell them apart, to identify the species. Yeah. And so this worm here, you can see there are different colours. Yeah, it's got a saddle there. Yes, it's got a saddle here. That's the, the colour is slightly different, and this shows that it's an adult. Okay, and how we tell endemics apart from exotic, you can count the segments and you will see that there's about 18 to 20 segments between the, the head and the saddle. And that's typical of exotic species, right? If we find an endemic one uh, later on, we'll see that this length is smaller. Right? There's about 12 to 14 segments in endemics. So we're going to tip that into there. So put the lid on. We'll take that back to the lab, but can you see anything in there now? I see worms and slugs. What is that little fella doing? Caterpillar? It's a caterpillar! We'll take it back to the lab and have a proper look. And now everyone has moved into the Kaikatea forest and Stefan and his team have dug up another 20 by 20 plot for the worms. So what have they got? Oh, there's heaps of worms. Yeah. And whereabouts are they in the soil? Are they still on the top or are they They're still on the down? top because after about 10 centimetres we're hitting this um, clay, very clay uh, soil. So they don't like this very much, but they like this darker soil with a lot of organic matter in it. That's where we're finding them. And I think that some of these may actually be uh, native worms as well. So how many native species of worm do we have? In New Zealand we have about, well we have more than 200 species that have been described. Wow. A lot of species are yet to be described in New Zealand of native earthworms. And I've, if, you, if you go and dig holes in areas where no one's been before, <laughs> then you'll probably find species that are not, not described yet. Back in the forest, it's organised chaos. The worm team have done their thing. The plant people are moving around their quadrat. The insect people are picking up things and peering at things. <laughs> Oh, there's two of them, there's three of them. There's one there. There's four of them. There's one there. You finding a few things with your beating? Oh, yeah. Look at this. Predominantly yeah. spiders, like the same species of spider as well. So what are you peering for in all the nooks and crannies? I'm just trying to find any insects, mainly spiders. Have you been succeeding? Um, I found a dead spider, if that counts. <laughs> they can probably still identify it from being, even though it's dead. So you found a wetter? Yeah, yeah. Got a one just here. Found, Rob had just been commenting that he was surprised no one had found one. Yeah, yeah. What, what kind of wetter is it? Uh, I'm not sure. What kind of wetter is it? I would say that is probably, yeah, that's a ground wetter. Now you can tell because at the very back he's got quite long um, toes on either side. What have you enjoyed most about this eco blitz? Oh, I'm not sure. There's lots of highlights to it. Um, Such as? Late last night. Uh, Learning about how like um, how they spot like bats and, um, and then all yesterday we were you know searching for invertebrates and yeah, we get, we get the big stuff pile. and finding yeah, out you know finding about all these much, little species that you usually just walk by and have no clue that they're there but they're actually really special and bit of a look and yeah so I guess that's probably the best part of it it's just learning about all these things that you just usually you know flag off as just being a silly bug you just walked past it, not even noticing it. This little slate is down here. See this little bug here? It's like a little slater thing. 
So what have been your highlights of the Eco Blitz? I really like looking for the um, insects like in the kayakateas on the first day. And I really like looking for spiders as well. So what are you two up to lurking around the edges? Oh, just doing some monitoring, seeing if we can detect some pests around in the place. So looking for rats and possums and mice and uh, stoats and other things that might be creeping around at night time. And what have you got? Anything? Uh, in this particular site we haven't got anything at all. Usually you get at least some insects sort of walking through the ink and showing us their little tiny pitter-patter um, of paws. But uh, in some of the other sites, like the gully site, we found some mice, rats, possibly stoats. We have to check that a little bit later when we get back to the lab. Um, we've been trying to lure them in with um, just icing sugar and flour, so they come along and lick that and then bite these wax tags. In the uh, tracking tunnel, we've got peanut butter, because everyone loves peanut butter. Mm -hmm. And uh, then over in, oh, with the cameras, the trail cameras, we're using sardines. So seeing if we could lure some cats in or some carnivores in or something, but the sardines remain untouched. Except for one stage. site where they've eaten everything. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so it's interesting. And after a day and a half in the field, the students are now back in the lab for the final afternoon and they get to identify everything that they've been collecting. And what are you up to? Um, we are looking around and um, some example of water taken from the stream that um, we did yesterday and we're trying to find little insects to look under the microscope and identify. And are you finding anything? Yes, we found a couple of live worms and two dead um, larvae from... Uh, um, fly of some description, a crane fly, I think. So in this lab there are students checking out the tracking cards and the chew tabs to see whether there were any introduced animals, rats, stoats, mice, things like that. What have we got? So we've got mice, we've got rats, we've got hedgehogs. Yeah. I got a rat. Yes. I think I got a rat as well. The thing about stoats, see here's sort of like a stoat one, is they look like a big rat, but if you draw the line between the two two end fingers, it won't go through the pad. And you'll quite often see the fur as well, because they have fur between, think of your dog's paw, it'll have fur growing through it, and they leave that when they leave the print. And this is the bug room, the terrestrial bug room. Just showing the kids um, different range of invertebrates, so we're at the moment looking at a mosquito, and just looking at the compound eyes. For the kids, this is you know, like an alien planet for them, they're really into it. What was your opinion of the compound eyes? It's quite scary, but it's cool. <laughs> How's Bug World? Oh, Bug World's exciting, yeah. We're in amongst it here, getting stuff out of dairy, dairy cows' paddocks, long grass. Oh, wonderful. No, it's, it's still exciting, though. It's interesting to see. It's not sites I would normally be sampling in, but it is interesting to see what array of animals live in these sort of places. And so what kind of invertebrates did you find in the paddock? Uh, we found some uh, small bugs. We found uh, two or three different kinds of spider, lots of slugs. And luckily for us, we found a, a piece of wood. And under that bit of wood was some steatoda spiders and uh, some longhorn beetles. Yeah, grass grub beetles there too, of course, and some piranomoths. So if you get a bit of leaf litter or wood or something to make that site a bit more variable, then it's interesting, but just long grass only has a small suite of stuff. The students have collected so well though, they've really, really done well. It's really quite fun to see how much energy they put into it. So how's it all gone, John? Oh, it's gone spectacularly. I've been, I've been really thrilled. We've found so much amazing stuff and we've got so much more work ahead of us. But um, no, it's, it's been great to have these kids doing this stuff on their own home ground and seeing all these things for the first time. It's just, I mean, 
just been so excited at all the stuff they've found that they didn't know was here. Yeah. Oh, they've been so keen and asked wonderful, intelligent questions, uh, questions of the standard of you know university students. Some of these coming from kids that are you know aged 12 or 13, which yeah. is just amazing. Which you know goes to show if you get a, a really curious mind early on and and sort of guide them into science, they can you know keep continue to be really interested in this sort of thing. We hope. And as John said, like the amazing thing with this is we're doing it on the school where a lot of these these guys board during the school term and or they're here during uh, the, the day students are here. So they've really opened well, we've really opened their eyes up to exactly what can be found just on their grounds and in the nearby dairy farm. And so that's a really powerful thing because they start to understand what's in their home patch effectively. And hopefully, and I'm sure we'll see it, given how keen they were to go spotlighting spiders and looking for frogs and all that sort of stuff, we've given them the tools and the enthusiasm to now go out there and continue to do that themselves. Yeah, and, and set that, law, that baseline ecological description of what's here so that as we go forward and they try to increase the sustainability of the, the way the farm is, is run, and, and the school for that matter too, we'll be able to see how biodiversity is changing, yeah, mm -hmm. which is the whole point of an eco-blitz, really. Yeah. Yeah, get that groundwork so we can see how nature's changing. Now, John, tell me about the Nature Watch connection. Oh, yes, that's right. You know, I'm heavily involved in Nature Watch New Zealand, which is an online citizen science project where anybody can upload a photo of anything and get it identified. And by doing that, we get we build up this big description of nature throughout the country. And it's a big part of EcoBlitz. And so all the data, all the observations that everybody collects on here go up onto Nature Watch. And in some ways, we bring some of the experts from the country onto these events. We can't bring everybody but then the rest of the community gets involved through Nature Watch. So we've already... <laughs> I was just, so I posted a fungus I photographed in the kakatea on the school grounds yesterday. Within a few hours, Nature Watch New Zealand is getting species IDs on them, so now we know what fungi are growing on the school. Yeah, that's amazing. That was Nature Watch founder John Sullivan from Lincoln University. You also heard from his Lincoln University colleagues Tim Curran, Rob Cruikshank, James Ross and Adrian Patterson. Other scientists featuring in our story were entomologist Brian Patrick from Wildlands Consultants, room expert Stefan Boyer from Unitech, photographer Bryce McQuillan and spider expert Phil Servet from Te Papa. You also heard bat expert Roger McKibben from Opus Consultants, eDNA was Andreas Machiola from the Bioprotection Research Centre and Elizabeth Graham and Brian Smith from Niwa. And a big thanks to the enthusiastic St Peter's school students. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.